Good morning, Carter Stone. He is so worthy, isn't he? Thanks for joining us this morning, wherever you are, wherever you're joining us from. It's a privilege to have you with us as we look into God's word and, and uh, just enjoy this time virtually together. Uh, we're in Romans 8 this morning, and today we're going to finish up chapter 8. Uh, we've been studying this chapter for a while, and I think we could study it for the rest of our lives and not exhaust it. There's so much in Romans chapter 8. But uh, then we're going to take a break from Romans uh, starting next week, and we're going to do a study on the book of Philippians. Take several weeks looking into this book that uh, often is described as a book of joy. But, but, and I think we need a dose of joy, don't we? I think we, I think we need some joy. Uh, but Paul is going to tell us that it's not so much that this book's about joy as it is about Jesus. And joy is found in Jesus. And whenever we pursue Jesus, we find joy, but we find peace and we find victory also. And victory is what we see in these final verses of chapter 8 in Romans this morning. In fact, Paul, in, in chapter 8 in, the, in our text this morning, Paul uses a very rare superlative in verse 37, the means to achieve overwhelming victory. One commentator says that this word means to overconquer with success to spare. How's that sound? So much success, so much victory that there's some left over. It's that word in verse 37 that's translated more than conquerors. Verse 37 says, In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Today I want to unpack that whole idea of what it means that we are more than conquerors. So grab your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 8, get it on your phone. We're going to be looking at these, these last verses, 31 to 39 this morning. Uh, but we have been looking at this tension in Romans 8. We've been looking at this tension between the flesh, or what, we, what Paul calls the deeds of the body in verse 13, that tension between the flesh and the spirit. Now these deeds of the body, or the flesh, refers to a mindset, refers to attitudes that are contrary to God and his ways. But they're so subtle and they're so deceptive that we don't often see how that mindset, how, that, how that, uh, th those deeds of the flesh seduce us into sinful attitudes that we don't even realize. Last week we looked at that. We looked at ways that we can put the deeds of the body to death, ways that we can be more than conquerors in this battle. Our text this morning, verses 31 to 39, is Paul's conclusion to these eight chapters. And it is like the hallelujah chorus in, in the musical, The Messiah. Paul does this throughout Romans. He, he's been expounding some amazing doctrine, some amazing truth. He finishes a section, and he just can't help breaking out into doxology as he, as he praises and worships the amazing truths, the amazing doctrine that he has just been, been writing about. What an amazing God, what an amazing Jesus, what an amazing salvation, what an amazing relationship we have with the Holy Spirit who lives within us. And in verse 31 of our text, he just bursts out and says, what then shall we say to these things? What can possibly be said to all this? And I, I think he's probably referring to everything uh, up to Rome, in Romans up to this point, chapters 1 through 8. What shall we say to all this marvelous salvation truth? Do you realize how amazing this is? Do you, do you get this? Do you understand this? Paul is so overwhelmed with worship and praise and, and joy that he just stops and he, and he writes this doxology. 
And I pray today that as we take a look at this, that, that the same overwhelming sense of worship and praise and just being blown away by what God has done overwhelms us and sweeps through us too. What Paul is doing in this text is he's, he's driving toward this statement in verse 37, we are more than conquerors. We are more than conquerors. We are, we are achieving a super victory. We're going above and beyond just a regular victory. We are more than conquerors. And that's his main point. That's what he's driving at this morning. And so to set it up, I want to read verses 35 to 37. Uh, read with me or just, just listen along as I read this. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we're being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. And I, and I could add to this list of things and I think we could all add to this list of things um, Pandemics, can, can they separate us from the love of God? Unemployment, cancer, broken relationships, financial hardship, homelessness, inconvenience, lack of comfort, loss of control, racial tensions, loss of freedoms. And Paul answers, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Paul readily acknowledges that life is full of distress and persecution and danger and sufferings and all kinds of hassles and hardships that come our way. Life is full of that stuff. He even quotes uh, Psalm 44 and verse 36. I'm sure in your Bibles you see that that's, that text is set off. It's Psalm 44, 22. And that whole psalm is about all of the unfair treatment that Israel suffered and and Paul's saying, even if the, tr the, the, the suffering that you're experiencing is unfair, we can achieve overwhelming victory in all of these things. We are more than conquerors through and in and over all of this stuff. But that's a little hard to hear, isn't it? Because we don't always feel like conquerors, do we? In fact, all too often we feel like the deeds of the body, we feel like the flesh, we feel like the circumstances of the world, we feel like everything that's going on out there is actually conquering us and we're overwhelmed. Many of you have lost your jobs and you don't know how you're going to pay the bills, you don't know how you're going to survive financially. Uh, we're tired and weary of wearing masks, so sick of wearing masks. <laughs> Dawn made us some new ones this week and they're no fun to wear either. They just look better. Just going to the grocery store is a hassle. What will school look like in the fall? And now the numbers are spiking again, and we may go back to a full-blown quarantine, which means jobs will be lost again, and on and on and on it goes. How often have we felt like Eeyore in Winnie the Pooh, who when someone says to him, good morning, he, re he, he responds, if it is a good morning, which I doubt it is. <laughs> Feel that way in the morning? Somebody says, good morning, and you go, no, it's not. So how in the world are we more than conquerors? Well, we need to see this as an already not yet truth. This is an already not yet truth. Let me explain that. We are already more than conquerors in Jesus. He tells us you are more, we are more than conquerors. 
That's the already part. But that victory is not yet fully realized. That's the, the not yet part. We, 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 we have it in a position, but we don't have it every day. I want to suggest to you that there are three phases of the fact that we are more than conquerors. Maybe you can relate to these. And we've got to understand all three of these to appreciate this truth. First of all, we are more than conquerors. That's a statement that Paul makes by virtue of who we are, our identity in Christ. We are more than conquerors. That's our position. That's a reality. That's a truth. But secondly, conquering is a process. Life is a series of victories that we keep moving through. I'm not the same person I was 10 years ago because of things that I've conquered and overcome and moved forward in it. Conquering should be a daily practice. Each day we should seek to be more than conquerors over certain things in our lives. Last week, if, if, you, were to, if you tuned in last week, I shared about uh, the struggle that Dawn and I have with making our desire to be with our kids into an idol and even into an entitlement, which was a sinful expression of a legitimate desire, but it, 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 it was the flesh in a very subtle and deceptive way sneaking out. And through the word and through the spirit, we conquered that, at least for this week. It'll probably rear its ugly head again and we'll have to conquer it again. But, but understand, conquering is a process. And then thirdly, Someday we will have fully conquered. All of sin and suffering and all the deeds of the flesh and all the deeds of the body will be conquered. They will be overcome. There will be overwhelming victory actually really achieved in our lives. Oh, what a glorious day that'll be. So understand these three phases and, and that, that more than conquerors is an already not yet reality. Now, for the rest of our time this morning, I want to lay out for us the amazing truths that Paul is expounding in this text that describes our position in Christ, describes uh, what it's like to be saved and, and, and experience his salvation and to be more than conquerors in Jesus. But then I, then I want to challenge us to work on living in light of those truths, those truths that are a reality that are our position, then how do we live in light of those? How do we keep seeking to overcome and conquer more each day? What do those series of victories look like? So look at verse 31 with me. If God is for us, who can be against us? Well, the answer is no one can be against us. If God is for us, no one can be against us. The word if is not a Maybe it's an absolutely, if God, because God is for us, no one can be against us. That word for there in the text means that God works on our behalf. He works for our benefit. One commentator says that this statement, God is for us, is a concise summary of the gospel. It summarizes all of Romans 1 through 8. It summarizes all of the gospel. When you put it all together, when you look at it all, when you summarize it all, it comes down to God is for us. Psalm 118 adds, adds this, The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? God is for us. The forces that come at us, the suffering and the trials and the hardships and, and all that, they cannot ultimately win. 
And even the suffering that does come works for our good. And uh, Back in verse 28 of chapter 8. We can't lose. If God is for us, we can't lose. God is for us, and he works even the hard times for our good. So no matter what, we are more than conquerors in all of life. Sometimes when I have a difficult task to do, which has a high uh, risk of failure, or maybe life has really gone south and it's a very, very difficult time and everything seems to be wrong, I'll have this conversation with God. And I'll say something like this. Okay, Lord, no matter how this goes, you still love me. And you still accept me. And you are for me. If I totally bomb, if I totally blow it, if nothing works out, my salvation is intact and my relationship with you is intact. And that's a comfort. Never forget, if you are a child of the king, a genuine follower of Jesus, God is for you, no matter what. Look at verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? If the father is willing to hand over his son for our salvation, if the father is willing to hand over Jesus, his only son, to come to earth as a man, live as a man, and then die illegally in, an, in a horrible death, if he is willing to do that for us, then he is going to do whatever is needed to bring us through thick and thin, Grief and sorrow, sickness and death, fear of the future, fear of the unknown, global pandemics, racial tension. He will bring us through all that. If he's, if he's willing to give us his son and hand him over to us, he'll do whatever it takes. We can get up every morning. And no matter what is going on, we can rest in the reality that God is going to graciously give us everything we need today to live in victory over all of the stuff in life. Because Jesus has saved me and he is for me. And because of that, I can be more than conqueror in my life. Oh, I may not have all the convenience and all the comfort I want. I may not have all the stuff that I want. But those things are never part of God's promises. He never promised all the stuff and all the comfort and all the conveniences that we crave so badly, and I do too. We can get so poopy when, can I say that on TV? Can I say that live stream? I guess I just did. And since this is live, there's no editing. We can get so poopy when we don't get what we want, can't we? We don't get what we want, when we want it, and the way we want it. We think God has failed us when we aren't comfortable in life as we would like to be, but we need to get our eyes off of ourselves and off of our comfort and onto the face of Jesus. Jesus is the center of the gospel, not me. Focus on the promise that he is for me and put him on display well. That's what my life is about. Not living comfortably. Look at verse 33. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Paul is talking here about those who would accuse us, like, like maybe Satan, or our own guilt, or our own negative self-image, uh, Maybe we can't forgive ourselves for something we've done, and so we accuse ourselves. He's talking about those kinds of accusations. 
But no accusation is effective because Jesus has saved us and he is continually saving us on into eternity. Our salvation is not a point in time. It's a process that's ongoing forever. God is justifying us continually. He's making us right in a process. Jesus died for our sin. He rose from the dead. He defeated sin and death. And he is actually now sitting at the right hand of God the Father, who is the sovereign of the universe, praying for us. Think about that. Jesus is praying for you and for me as, as our negative images or our negative accusations to ourselves haunt us and plague us, as people accuse us, as Satan comes into our mind. Jesus is saying, Father, don't listen to those accusations because that's my child. I've saved him. I've saved her. I'm for them. Those things won't stick. And he's not going to condemn us because he is for us. Now that doesn't mean there are consequences for our sin. That doesn't mean we don't have an obligation to obey and follow scripture and live by the spirit. There are. But the very first verse of chapter 8, Paul starts this amazing chapter with these words, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We'll suffer consequences, but we will never be judged. We'll never be condemned. We can face each day as more than conquerors because no one can ever bring a charge against us. No one can condemn us. No one can take our salvation away. No one, not even ourselves. We can't take ourselves out of the palm of God's hand. So these verses tell us where Jesus has positioned us as his children. If you are a follower of Jesus, God is so totally on your side that no one or nothing can ever stop or take away or remove your salvation. You are absolutely secure in him. This phrase, God is for us, it's not hard to memorize. I did it this week. And so I encourage you, I challenge you to memorize this and, and, and have it in your head. God is for us. God is for us. God is for us. Four words. God is for us. It should be in our heads all day long, all night long. Even as I was uh, uh, sleeping last night and the times I was not sleeping last night and just thinking and my mind was going, I was thinking, God is for us. God is for us. He is for me. He is, he is working on my behalf. He is working for my benefit. God is for us. And so we are positioned to be more than conquerors over sin and the flesh and the deeds of the body and the mindset of the world. Oh, glory, what a great position to be in. But wait, there's more. Oh, there's more. There is so much more. Starting in verse 35, Paul talks about God's love for us. God's love for us, this, this unimaginable, inconceivable, mind-blowing, mind-boggling love of God that he has for us as his children. I'm going to read verses 35 through 39. I'm going to read them slowly. Please listen. If it's appropriate, close your eyes and just let the powerful truth of this wash over and through and in your souls. Verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine 
or nakedness or danger or sword or coronavirus or financial hardship or relational issues or loneliness or anything else that's going on in your life right now? Verse 37, no, no. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure, Paul says, this, that word sure is an absolute certainty. I am absolutely convinced and positively sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, things in the past, things in the future, nor anything else in all creation. That's a pretty comprehensive list right there will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Wow. All of these things that Paul lists, or some of these things that Paul lists, will come at us. But none of them mean that God has withdrawn his love from us. There are times in life when things get so bad that we are convinced that God no longer loves us. That he has forgotten us. We've been there. Don and I have been there. We've been there at times, even though we knew in our heads it's not true, we just felt like, God, you have forgotten us, which would imply his love has left us. And the last thing we feel like is more than a conqueror. In fact, we feel like we have been conquered by all this stuff. But his love for us even in the darkest, deepest valleys of life, is unshakable, and nothing, nothing, nothing can ever separate us from his love. Nothing, ever, ever. It seems wrong to keep moving and not say more about his love, but you know what? We can never say enough about the love of God. Never. So let me just share some words from an old hymn. This hymn's called The Love of God. Some of you might know it, some of you don't, but, but there's a couple of these verses that are just so powerful and describe God's love so well. Let me just read them. Listen, could, could we with ink the ocean fill and were the skies of parchment made, were every stalk on earth a quill, and every man a scribe by trade. To write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. I feel like those words begin, begin to describe the vastness of God's love for us. It's beyond description. And nothing can or ever will take away his love from his sons and daughters. Okay, there's the heights. There's, there's the stratosphere. There's the glories of God is for us. God's love surrounds us. This is our position. This is the already part. This is where we are. But what do we do with these majestic truths in the midst of suffering and financial ruin and global pandemics and illness and all this stuff going on? How do we live everyday life in light of the truth that we are more than conquerors? 
Well, to wrap this up this morning, let me suggest a few thoughts. Number one, God is for us. Never, never, never forget that. Memorize it. Tell yourself every day, many times a day, that God is for me. And when you're doing that, you're preaching the gospel to yourself. That's the gospel. God is for us. God is for us. God is for us. Number two, understand that life is a series of victories. Because he is for us, we can live today as more than conquerors in some or several areas of my life. So so let me ask this. Where will you be a conqueror today? Remember those things we talked about last week. Number one, set your mind on the things of the Spirit. Number two, immerse yourself in the Word of God. Number three, get with the people of God to help you see those blind spots and those areas where you're self-deceived. Where will I conquer today? What can I conquer today? Number three, remember, remember this. This is an already not yet reality. We are exactly and totally more than conquerors in Jesus. That is true and that is accurate and that is right. But on those days when you feel totally defeated, remind yourself of the not yet part. It's coming. And then remind yourself of the already part where we are positioned in the love of God and that God is for us. I think number four, just keep reminding yourself of how much Jesus loves you. Absolutely mind-blowing how vast his love for us is. I encourage you this afternoon or sometime when you get a chance, just, just sit still in a chair. Go out in your patio, go to a park, and just think about and meditate on how vast his love for us really is. Look up at the sky and imagine that if there was a, like a six-point font that filled the sky, it would not begin to describe God's love for us. And I say number five, I guess, saying over, keep saying over and over to yourself, God is for us, God is for us. Lost your job? God is for us. Lost a relationship? God is for us. Travel plans canceled? God is for us. Lonely in isolation? God is for us. Fed up with the government? God is for us. Can't visit a sick relative in the hospital? God is for us. Kids driving you crazy? God is for us. You're mad that we can't have public church services? God is for us. So in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Oh, Lord Jesus, you are for us. Because you're for us, we can be more than conquerors. Because you love us so vastly and unimaginably, you are for us. And because you're for us, we can be more than conquerors. And because of that, it can be, and it is, well with our souls. The world can be falling apart all around us, but we can rest in the comfort of your love. And we can sing, it is well with my soul.